Section 24 of Lives of the Ancient Philosophers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or a volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Ancient Philosophers by Francois Fenelon. Diogenes, Part 1. Diogenes died in the first year of the 114th Olympiad at the age of 90. He was therefore born the third year of the ninety-once Olympiad. Diogenes Vicinic, son of Isesius, a banker, was born at Sinope, a city of Paphlagonia, about the ninety-once Olympiad. Isesius was arrested and confined in prison. As soon as he arrived, he went to Atisthenes, who, having resolved never to take on another disciple, endeavored to discourage him and repulse him with a stick. Diogenes, not in the least irritated by this, stooped his head. Strike, strike, cried he. Fear nothing. You will never find a stick hard enough to send me away whilst you are speaking. Antisthenes, at length subdued by the obstinacy of Diogenes, agreed that he should be his disciple. Diogenes was obliged to live in poverty, as a man banished from his country, and who received no assistance from any place. He saw one day a mouse running about briskly without fearing to be surprised by night, or troubling itself to seek a lodging, or even without thinking of its food. This consoled him under his misery, and he resolved to take example by the mouse, and live quietly without troubling himself for the future, and to be satisfied without those things which were not absolutely necessary wherewith to support life. He doubled his cloak so that by wrapping himself up in it, it served both for a bed and covering whole furniture consisted of a stick and wallet and a ball the two latter he always carried with him and only used his stick when he traveled or when he was indisposed he said that real cripples were neither the blind nor the deaf but only those who had no wallet his feet were always bare he did not wear sandals even when the ground was covered with snow he also wished to accustom himself to eat raw meat but in that he never succeeded having bagged a person he knew to give him a small room in his house to retire to sometimes he had to wait so long for a positive answer that he had recourse to a tub which he rolled before him when he wished to remove his place of abode and never afterwards used any other shelter in the heat of summer when the sun scorched the earth he would roll himself in the burning sands and in the middle of winter he would embrace statues covered with snow to accustom himself to suffer without inconvenience the extreme of heat and cold he despised the world he treated plato and his disciples as spendthrifts and epicures and called the orators slaves of the people he said that crowns were marks of glory as fragile as bubbles that burst as they rise and that spectacles were the marvel of fools in short nothing escaped his satire he ate spoke and lay down in all places and at all times just as inclination prompted him sometimes viewing the portio of jupiter he would exclaim ah the athenians have indeed built me a fine place to take my meals in he often said when i look upon the teachers physicians and philosophers in the world i am tempted to believe that man by his wisdom is raised far above the level of beasts but on the other hand when i see the soothsayers interpreters of dreams and man whom riches and honour are capable of elating I cannot help but think they are the most foolish of all animals. One day as he was walking, he saw a child drinking out of the hollow of his hand. 
The Hoganins was ashamed of himself. What? said he. Do children know better than I the things they can live without? And instantly taking his ball from his wallet, broke it as a utensil that was useless to him. He praised exceedingly those who, having been on the point of marriage, had then changed their minds, as well as those who, after preparing everything for a voyage, remained on shore. He did not estimate less highly such as had been chosen to govern the Republic, and refused to engage in it, like those who, having been invited to the table of kings and lords, yet preferred returning to plain fare at home. He only studied morality, and entirely neglected all the other sciences. His wit was keen, and easily confuted the objections that were raised against his philosophy. His opinion concerning marriage would have revolted the least civilized tribes of savages. He not only rejected the religious and civil contracts, but even attacked the natural contract of unity of choice. He thought there was no harm in taking anything he wanted. He did not wish people to afflict themselves about anything. It is much better, said he, to console than to hang oneself. One day, beginning to speak upon an important and highly useful subject, and seeing everybody pass by without troubling themselves to listen to what he was saying, he began to sing. Numbers of citizens directly assembled in crowds around him. He then reprimanded them severely for running from all sides for trifles, when they did not choose to listen to things of the greatest importance. He was astonished that critics should torment themselves to discover the misfortunes of Ulysses without paying any attention to their own. He blamed musicians for taking so much trouble to tune their instrument instead of attending to their minds, which required so much more care. He satirized astronomers for amusing themselves with contemplating the sun, the moon, and stars, without knowing the things at their feet. He was not less severe upon orators, who thought only of speaking well, without caring how they acted. Strongly censured, certain avaricious men, who, wishing to appear very disinterested, praised those who despised riches, yet thought of nothing themselves but amassing money. Nothing appeared to him more ridiculous than those men who sacrificed to the gods for the preservation of their health, and then, as soon as the ceremony was finished, feasted and gave themselves up to the greatest excesses. To conclude, he said that he met with many who tried to surpass each other in foolishness, but that not one had emulation enough to be the first in the road to virtue. Diogenes, observing that Plato, at a magnificent repast, only ate olives, asked the reason why he who pretended to be so wise did not eat more freely of the delicacies for the sake of which he went to sicily i generally live when i am in sicily replied plato on capers olives and similar things as i do in this country of what use was it then said diogenes to go to sicily are there neither capers nor olives in athens as plato was one day entertaining some friends of dionysus the tyrant diogenes went to his house and putting his thirty feet in a handsome carpet said thus i trample on the pride of plato yes diogenes replied plato but it is with greater pride a certain sophist wishing to show diogenes the depth of his wit you are not what i am said he i am a man consequently you are not a man that reasoning would be true answered diogenes if you had begun by saying you are not what i am since then you must have concluded that you are not a man being asked in what part of greece he had seen wise men he replied i have seen many children in lacedaemonia but as for men i can find them nowhere 
As he was once walking in the middle of the day with a lighted lantern in his head, he was asked what he was looking for. I'm seeking for an honest man, answered he. Another time he began to cry in the middle of the street, Oh, men! Ho, ho! Numbers of men immediately surrounded him. Diogenes drove them away with his stick. It is men, said he, that I am calling for. Demosthenes, dining one day at a tavern, saw Diogenes pass, and hid himself directly. Do not hide yourself, said he, for the more you hide yourself, the farther away you go into what you ought to avoid. He saw another time some strangers who were come to see Demosthenes. Diogenes went straight ahead to them, and laughingly said, Here, here, look at him well. Behold the great orator of Athens. Diogenes was one day in a magnificent palace, where gold and silver abounded. After examining its beauties, he began to cough, and spat upon the face of a Phrygian who was showing him the palace. My friend, said he, I did not see a dirtier place to spit on. One day he went, half shaved, into a room where some young people were rejoicing, that they obliged him to depart after ill-treating him. Diogenes, to punish him, wrote on a piece of paper the names of those by whom he had been struck, and walked through the streets with it tied to his shoulders to make them known, and disgraced them to the world. One day a notorious rogue reproached him for his poverty. I have never seen anybody punished for being poor, said he, but I have seen many a rogue hung. He often said that the most useful things were commonly the least esteemed, that a statue cost five thousand crowns, whilst a bushel of flour was not worth twenty pence. One day, when he was going into a bath, he found the water very dirty. After bathing here, said he, where do we go to wash? Diogenes was once taken by some Macedonian near Caronia, who carried him directly to Philip. The king asked him who he was. I am the spy of your insatiable avidity, replied he. Philip was so pleased with the answer that he gave him his liberty, and sent him back. Diogenes thought that wise men could never want anything, and that everything was in their power. To the gods, said he, all things belong. The wise are friends of the gods. Between friends everything is common. Consequently everything belongs to the wise. It was Diogenes who, whenever he wanted anything, said he would ask his friends for it. When Alexander was passing through Corinth, he had a curiosity to go and see Diogenes, who was there at that time. He found him sitting in the sun, in the cranium, mending his tub with glue. I am the great king, Alexander, said he to him. I am the dog Diogenes, replied the philosopher. Do you not fear me? continued Alexander. Is there anyone who fears what is good? asked Diogenes. Alexander admired the wit and unrestrained manners of Diogenes, and after conversing some time with him, said, I see, Diogenes, you are in want of many things. I shall be happy to assist you. Ask me for whatever you want. Stand a little on the side, then, replied Diogenes. You prevent me from feeling the sun. Alexander was very much surprised at seeing a man above everything human. Which is the richest, continued Diogenes, he who is contented with his cloak and wallet, or he whom a whole kingdom does not satisfy, and who daily expose himself to a thousand dangers to augment his dominions? Couriers were indignant that Alexander paid so much honor to the dog Diogenes, who did not even move a step. Alexander, perceiving it, turned and said to them, If I were not Alexander, I would be Diogenes.
As the Agnes was passing through Regina, he was taken by some pirates, carried him to the creed, and exposed him to sail. This did not at all affect him, did not even seem to consider it as a misfortune. Seeing a person named Zenid, very fat and well-dressed, you must sell him to me, said he, for I see he wants a master. As the Nade approached to bargain for him, he called out, Come, child, come and cheapen a man, being asked what he could do, and replied that he possessed the talent of commanding men. Herald, said he, proclaim in the market that if anyone wants a master, he may come and buy me. Those who had the selling of him, having forbidden him to sit down, What does it signify? said Diognes. Fish are bought in any posture, and I am astonished that when not even the lid of a kettle is bought without first striking it to see if the metal be good, yet in buying a man it is thought enough to look at him. When the price was fixed, he said to Zainaid, As I am now your slave, you have only to prepare yourself to do as I wish. I shall be your physician and steward, therefore it does not signify whatever I am your slave or free. You must obey me. Zenaid gave him his children to instruct. The Agonies took great care of them. He made them learn by heart the finest works of the poets, with an abridgment of philosophy, which he confessed expressly for them. He likewise made them exercise themselves in wrestling, hunting, riding, drawing the bow, and slinging. He custed them to drink simply, and to drink only water, and wished them to forego all superfluities whatsoever. He took them with him in the streets, neglectantly dressed, and often without sandals or tunic. The children on their side loved Diogenes very much, and took particular care to recommend him to their parents. Whilst Diogenes was thus in slavery, some of his friends interested themselves to procure his release. You are fools, said he, you are laughing at me. Do you not know that the line is never the slave of those who nourish it? They, on the contrary, are the slaves. One day Diogenes, hearing a herald, proclaimed that Dioxope had conquered men in the Olympic Games. My friend, said he, rather say, slaves and unfortunate wretches, it is I who have conquered men. When he was told that he was old and ought to rest, what, said he, if I run, ought I to slacken my pace near the end of the course? Would it not be better to make the greatest efforts at such a time? He saw a young man one day who was walking in the streets, and who, having dropped some bread, was ashamed of picking it up. Diogenes took up a broken bottle and walked with it through the city to let him see that no one ought to be ashamed of being careful. I am like good musicians, said he, and leave the original air for the sake of the variations. A man came one day to be his disciple. Diogenes gave him a ham to carry. The man, being ashamed to be seen with it in the streets, threw it down and went away. Diogenes met with him some days afterwards. What, said he, has a ham broken our friendship? He saw one day a woman prostrated before the altar, in such a manner as to be exposed behind. Diogenes ran to her. Are you not afraid, my good woman, said he, that the gods who see behind as well as before should see you in an indecent posture? When Diogenes reflected upon his life, he said in jest that all the curses that are invoked in tragedies had fallen upon him that he was without house, city, or country, living merely from hand to mouth, that he opposed firmness to fortune, nature to customs, and reason to the troubles of the soul. A man came one day to consult him as to the time at which it was most proper to eat. If you are rich, said he, eat when you like, if poor, when you can. 
the athenians begged him to get himself initiated into their mystery assuring him that those who were had the highest places allotted to them in the other world yes truly replied diogenes it will be very fine for agesilaus and epaminondas to stick in the mud whilst your poor forlorn initiated wretches should be wafted to the fortunate islands it was his custom to perfume his feet and when asked the reason he said that the smell of the perfume when put in his head was lost in the air instead of which when he perfumed his feet it mounted to his nose End of section twenty four